0: Well, there you go. That is the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. And maybe to put a little bit of context, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, Spider-Man's true identity as Peter Parker has been revealed to the world, which puts all of Peter's family and friends at at risk. And Peter seeks the help of Doctor Strange that you saw there to to cast a spell on the world, making everyone forget his true identity. And in the midst of casting that spell, Peter kind of has some second thoughts and it causes things to get messed up. And the result was Peter's identity was was revealed to alternate universes, right? Totally believable. I get it, you know, right? And and because of this, all the villains from these alternate universes are are now coming after Spider-Man. But Spider-Man realizes something. He realizes that, that if he sends them back to their universe, he's actually, it's going to kill those, those villains. It's going to kill the bad guys. And instead of letting them die, Peter kind of embarks on trying to figure out, hey, what's the root cause of making these guys evil? And he spends the rest of the movie trying to actually cure them and save his enemies while they're actually trying to kill him in the process. And so this got me thinking. This got me thinking about us. It got me thinking about our story. It got me thinking about the gospel. It got me thinking about what Jesus has done for us and what we're to do for others. And so, if you've got your Bible this morning or your Bible app, I want to invite you to head to Romans chapter 5 with me. Romans chapter 5. Romans is written by the Apostle Paul, it's written to the church in Rome, and I would say Romans is probably the most comprehensive letter from Paul we have on the gospel, on Jesus, on Jesus' life, death, and, and resurrection. And as you make your way to chapter 5, what we're going to get this morning is this, this, this parallel between a little bit what we saw in the movie there, the gospel, and us, and us, and us. And so let's take a look at this together, and here's what I'd like us to notice first as we jump in this morning. It's who we were. Who we were. Let me read this for us beginning in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a righteous person and for a good person one would dare even to die but god showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us since therefore we have now been justified by his his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of god for if while we were enemies we were reconciled by god by the death of his son here in these verses here's what paul's doing paul is describing you he's describing me He's describing Christians before they were Christians. He's describing anyone outside of a personal relationship with Jesus. If you notice in these verses, Paul actually says, we were, three separate times. In verse 6, he says, we were, right? And in verse 8, he says, we were. And then again, in verse 10, he says, we were. And did you notice the words Paul uses here to, to describe us? He says, we were, weak in verse 6. We were ungodly, unrighteous, not good. We were sinners, he says in verse 8. And he says we were enemies in, in verse 10. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm honest, I, I don't like being described this way. I don't like hearing this about myself, right? If somebody can call me weak and I'll go, ah, maybe, right? Somebody can call me ungodly or unrighteous or not good and I go, Probably, at times, right? You can even call me a sinner, and I'll be like, well, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But I tell you what, the one that I push back on the most, right, is enemy. Calling me an enemy of God? I'm like, Paul, you, you've crossed the line now. You, you're like, come on, man, you can't go that far. And if you're like me, we don't like to think of ourselves as an enemy of God. But what Paul is saying, hey, if, if you and I were in the movie of Spider-Man, right, None of us are the superheroes. We're actually the bad guys. Like outside of Jesus, we're actually the bad guys. We're the villains. We're the enemy, Paul says here. And so where does Paul get off on saying that about us? How could he say that about us? Well, it's because of sin. Right? You see, just a few chapters earlier, Paul writes, all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard." including Paul. So Paul's not trying to be above us or better than us. A little bit later on, Paul writes another letter to to Timothy, and Paul says this about himself. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and then Paul says, I, I, Paul, am the worst of them all. You see, sin is what sets us against God. It's what makes us an enemy of God. Spider-Man in the movie, he's trying to find the root of what makes the bad guys evil and the bad guys, The Bible tells us for you and I, right, sin is what's at the root of all of our problems and all of our issues. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, we were God's enemies separated from him by what? By our evil, sinful thoughts and actions. Say, how could that be, right? It's because God is holy and God is perfect. I think we really don't get just how holy and perfect God is sometimes he's so holy and he's so perfect that he can't have anything to do with sin otherwise he would be not he would not be holy and he would not be perfect therefore anything including you and I right that's not holy or perfect is opposed to God it's against God it's an enemy of God And Paul's writing here and he's saying, hey, this is who you were. This is where you were. You were the ungodly. You were the unrighteous, the sinners, the enemies. And at the root of all of it was was sin. Okay, spoiler alert number one I want to give you for this morning. Spoiler alert number one. If you didn't see the movie and you don't want to hear the end, plug your ears right now. Because here it comes. Shocker, Spider-Man saves the day, right? He cures his enemies, he saves his enemies in, in the movie. Spoiler alert number two, that I think most of us know, but maybe not everybody. I don't know. Jesus. Jesus spent his life to save us, his enemies, from sin, right? Wow, while, while people ultimately killed him for it. Jesus spent his life to save his enemies from sin, and they ultimately killed him for it. Right now, now if you know your Bible a little bit, you're going to go, yeah, the religious leaders, the Romans, the people, right? They, they put him on the cross. But how could you say we? It was our sin, your sin, my sin, that put Jesus on that cross. And Jesus willingly took our place, died for our sins, saved us, cured us, his enemies, through his finished work. Right? Paul shows us who we were. And you're like, wow, thanks for this super uplifting message, Corey, as we wrap up this series. I feel great today. I'm ready to just leave. You can send us out with a candy bar and we'll go and we're happy, right? But no, here's the deal. A few verses earlier in Romans chapter 5, Paul so, also shows us where we are. Where we are, thanks to Jesus. Let me read these verses for us. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given to us. Man, in these verses, look at what Jesus has done for you and I. This is the results of Jesus curing us. It's where we can stand now. That thanks to Jesus, Paul describes us like this. He says we're, we're justified in these verses. I have an old friend who would always tell me, Corey, that's just as if I'd never sinned, thanks to Jesus. Paul says we've been made right, that we have peace with God in these verses, he says, that we've been brought to a place of privilege before God. That we can confidently and joyfully look toward sharing in God's glory one day, Paul says. He says the the trials and the problems we now face now strengthen us and help us to lean into Jesus and actually become more like Jesus. Paul says thanks to Jesus we now have experienced God's love for us. And that we can be a people who God puts his Holy Spirit in and fills our hearts up with, with his love. This is what Jesus has, has done for us. That the forgiveness of, of sin that we experience as a, as a Christian, the blessings and the riches that God stows, bestows upon us. All the thing Paul describes here in these first five verses, right, comes from who we are in Christ. And it came through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That God loved us so much, as Paul says here, that at the perfect time in history, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and become the perfect sacrifice for the brokenness of all mankind. He had to do that because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And if there's no forgiveness of of sin, that, that root evil within us, right, if there's no forgiveness of that, we would be stuck in who and where we were as ungodly, as unrighteous, as against God, as an enemy of God. But Jesus' life, death, and his resurrection made a way for you and I to be reconciled to God, to, to have a right relationship with God, to be cured, to be saved, to be made new. That is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, why spend time on this today? We're spending time on it because what's there on the screen because we must understand who we were to truly appreciate where we are. We must appreciate, we must know where we were and who we were to truly appreciate where we are. This reminds me of a of a story years ago. Um, I was heading overseas with a team on a mission trip, right? And we actually got separated from our team. Like the, the airline messed some stuff up and they, they had like, 13 of the team were like, oh, we've got seats for you, but you seven, we don't have any seats for you. So seven of us, including, you know, myself and my my wife, we got got left behind, right? So we went from like, hey, we're just going to be chilling in economy class, right, to we actually have no flight now. There is no flight. So we had to jump through like flaming hoops to try and find a flight overseas. And we finally get things sorted out. And we get on this plane, and they say, hey, due to your trouble, we're going to put you in first class, right? That's way above my pay pay grade, y'all. So, like, I was like, let's go. This is going to be awesome. We got to, like, go up in this little VIP lounge before we got on the the flight and everything. And so here we are now flying, like, 10, 11 hours overseas, and we're in first class. Do you know what we knew? We clearly knew that day where we were (laughs) and then where we were now. And we were really happy for it. And we were like, we up, met up with the rest of the team. We're like, like, let me tell you. So we didn't like just get kicked off the plane. We had no ticket, but then we were first, first class. We, we knew, we understood where we were. And then we understood where we ended up that day, right? I mean, have you ever heard a person that maybe has not had a lot, worked their self, worked their way up from a little to having much, or worked their way up through a corporation, like just climbed the, the corporate ladder? And have you ever heard them say, never forget where you've come from? ever heard that? Never forget where you come from? Paul, in these first 10 verses of Romans chapter 5, what he's doing, he's giving every Christian a never forget where you've come from talk. He's saying, hey, don't forget. Like, without Jesus, you didn't even have a flight with Jesus. First class now. Don't forget where you came from. And I think Paul did this because maybe, maybe you'll relate, I, I, I've been there, right? I think Paul did this because he knew that the trap for anybody that's a Christian is that the longer you're a Christian, the greater propensity we have to forget who we were and what Jesus has done for us, right? Have you ever noticed that? you ever heard anybody that, that is a Christian say like, hey, when I, first, when I first came to know Jesus, they'll use words like, I was on fire, right? Like I was, I was just, I was sold out for, for Jesus and like they knew who they were and they're like, yeah, and I kind of I don't have, I need to go back to that. I need to go back to that, right? It's because I think a lot of times as a Christian, we lose sight of who we were and what Jesus has done for us. And again, why, why point this stuff out for us today, right? I think there's an application in this for us today because you see Paul here as he's writing to us, Paul, the chief among sinners as he labeled himself, the once enemy of God, the once persecutor of Christians, he never lost sight of who he was without Jesus and what Jesus had done in his life. And the result for Paul impacted and propelled and compelled him forward in reaching people for the cause of Christ. And so we look at all this, why? Because it should do the same for you and I. It should do the same for you and I. And so here's what I want to close with this morning is what we're to do for others. We looked at who we were, we looked at where we are, and now we're going to look at what we're to do for others. And, and if you can in your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. It, it's just to the right in your Bible, it's the next book after, after Romans. And Paul is writing again. And be, be thinking about it as we read this, right? Think about Paul's got on his mind who he was, where he was, and what Jesus has done for him. And Paul writes this He says, Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to that law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under that law. In verse 21, he says, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. Christ. Verse 22 says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. And he wraps up saying, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. In these verses, because of what Jesus has done for for Paul, we see what Paul would now do for others. That Paul now had, could, had one goal, he pursued one goal in his life, and he shares it six different times in, in different ways in these verses we just read. It's to see people come to Christ. It's to see people saved. It's to tell them what Jesus has done. Paul never got over the fact that Jesus rescued him, a once enemy, and now brought him from sinner to saint, unrighteous to righteous, Enemy of God, the child of God, from death to life. Paul never got over that. And because of that, Paul was now going to jump into the rescue mission of Jesus to reach others with the same good news that rescued him. And and before we go, like I love what Paul modeled for us here. Two practical things we see in Paul now doing what was done for him to reach others. Number one, he says, look to reach those in your sphere of influence this is what we can learn from paul look to reach those in your sphere of influence it's not complicated what paul was doing wasn't complicated whoever put whoever god put around paul paul said hey you know what that that's who i'm going to that's who i'm going to reach Paul looked around, we just saw in these verses, he was like, man, if there's a Jewish person around me, I'm gonna reach that person. If there's a Gentile around me, I'm gonna reach that person. If there's a weak person, I'm gonna reach that person. If there's a religious, a non-religious, a male, a female, the educated, the uneducated. It was that simple for Paul. Who's around me? God, who have he placed around me? Okay, great, that's who I'm gonna to try to reach. Ask us this morning, who has God put in your sphere of influence today? As you sit here, Maybe the Lord's bringing some people to mind. Neighbors to mind. Coworkers to mind. Maybe there's some moms that you know that that are coming to mind right now. Some people on the job site with you. Some students at school are coming to mind. Some customers that you serve. Some people that that you frequently see at the gym or, or the grocery store. Who's God put right around you? Just take a look around. See who God has placed right in front of you. And I want to be clear on this, right? Paul, he, Paul didn't change his doctrine. Don't read these verses and think Paul changed his doctrine. Don't read these verses and think Paul changed the message of the gospel. Don't think Paul, like, started entering into sin just to appeal and to reach those around him. The mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ would never change for Paul. But he would change his approach. And he would change his method, right? Paul would if Paul was with us today. Paul would not approach the person at the gym that he's going to as the same way he'd approach an IT worker, right? And that's hey, listen, IT workers, you can be in the gym, cool. Gym guys, you can be an IT worker. Don't email me on that tomorrow, right? Right. If Paul was here, right, he he would approach an empty nester different than he would approach a teenager. He'd approach a stay-at-home mom different than he would approach a college athlete or a college student, right? Paul teaches us a wonderful lesson here in 1 Corinthians, and it's this. Marry the mission and date the method. Marry the mission and date the method. Here's what I mean by that, right? Don't ever compromise God's word. Don't ever compromise the gospel, right? Don't ever compromise the mission. Be full of grace and be full of truth, But know that it is okay, even wise at times, to change our approach, to change our method, to change the model in reaching people to tell them about Jesus and all that he's done. Right? This is why one of our core values at LifePoint is reaching priority. Because we believe God has placed some people in your sphere of influence that he uniquely wants you to reach for the cause of Christ. The key for all of us today is to just start. Just start with those God has put right in front of you. The second practical thing we see from Paul is this. No one is unreachable. No one is unreachable. It didn't matter who was in front of Paul. He knew Jesus came for the whole world. He knew that Jesus came for everyone. He knew that Jesus came for the, the whosoevers, the outcast, the fringe. He knew that, that Jesus came for the enemy. Therefore, Paul never viewed anyone beyond saving, beyond rescuing, and beyond curing, because Paul knew this, Jesus is able. Jesus is able. And Paul knew this because he had first-hand experience with what Jesus had done in his own life. And you know what? At the end of the day, although we come from different backgrounds and our stories are different, there is a common ground for all all of us. For any person that has come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's a common ground. The common ground of, hey, we were ungodly, we were unworthy, we were undeserving, we were unrighteous, we were lost, and we were sinners, and we were enemies of God. But thanks to Jesus, because Jesus is able, he makes us justified and righteous and accepted and worthy and friend of God and child of God. There's that common ground for all of us in all of our stories. And so the question again today for us to maybe bring this home for you and I, as you sit here today, is there anyone you have deemed a lost cause? Is there anyone you said, you know what, they're just too far gone? Is there anyone you've said, hey, you know what, I'm, I think I just need to give up on them. They are unreachable. Listen, if the Apostle Paul, who persecuted Christians, hunted them down, threw Christians in jail, and stood by and approved while Christians were murdered, could be reached and changed by Jesus, anyone can. Never sell short The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never sell short how Jesus can radically change anyone's life. So, who has God put in front of you? No one is unreachable. So, what if? What if we left today? Like the Apostle Paul, never compromising God's word, never compromising the gospel, never compromising the mission. But what if we, because of what Christ has done for us, where he's taken us from and brought us to, what if we get involved in the rescue mission like never before? What if we try to find common ground with everyone? What if we go be weak to the weak like Paul was? Right, maybe to be practical and speak in today's terms, Right? what if we go be gamer to the gamers, corporate to the corporate world, a jock to the jock, right? the nerd to the nerds, the outdoorsy to the outdoorsy, the homebody to the homebodies, the social to the social people? What if we were in the world, but not of the world, like Paul, doing everything we can to save some? Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together this morning and a simple, straightforward, hopefully practical message today that brings to remembrance of what you've done for us. That brings to remembrance of who we were, where we were, and now thanks to Jesus, who we are and where we are. May what you have done for us compel us forward to get involved into your rescue mission. Lord, today we ask for forgiveness for when we make it too complicated. We ask for forgiveness for when we give up on folks. Help us to see the one right in front of us. Lord, help us to remember that you, Jesus, are able. God, today as we we get ready to close in song in just a moment, maybe it's you today, you're sitting here and you think of yourself as too far gone. You think of yourself as unreachable Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, Corey, there's no way Jesus could love me. You don't know what I've done or who I am. And I would tell you, you're right, I don't. But Jesus does. He knows everything you've done. And he still loves you. And he still came to die for you and pay for your sins on the cross. And I want to let you know, if that's you today, forgiveness awaits. A new beginning awaits. A new life awaits. A new description for who you are awaits. And all you need to do today to see that become a reality in your life is to surrender, to call out to Jesus, to put your faith and trust in Jesus right now, right here, right where you're at. And the way you do that is just talk to Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the things I've done. I'm a sinner. And I'm asking for forgiveness today. I'm asking for forgiveness today. And and, and Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I don't, even, I don't even know what all that looks like or where to go from here, but I just know I need you today. I'm calling on your name today. Take me from being a sinner and an enemy to being a child, a redeemed, forgiven follower of yours. Jesus, come into my life today. If you do that, right where you're at right now, you are his forevermore. There's a new life that awaits you. And Lord, as we close this morning, I just wanna say we praise you, we thank you, that when we call on your name, when we call on your name, you answer. When we call on your name, you are faithful to save. When we call on your name, you rescue. I love you, Jesus.